You're listening to Grindhouse Courthouse. We put movies on trial to determine whether or not a film has committed too many movie misdemeanors to be considered viewable. Please rise for the honorable judge this episode. Uh... I hope you bitches know how to deal with ghosts and shadows because our logic is about to collapse on a subatomic level. Life forms are growing out from prebiotic fluid and organizing precognition, psychokinetic antimatter. Matt has been working around the clock to cross check the numbers, ignoring the cries of his child and wife, and the results are terrifying. Where we're going, dialogue is meaningless and long winded monologues accompanied by the slow pan with ominous music is all you need. So say goodbye to classical reality. We just watched John Carpenter's Prince of Darkness. Cue intro music. <laughs> now we have to make intro music for this one. <laughs> yes, you do. <laughs> we, we typically we have as, the intro before the speech. But. We can put as much thought yeah. into it as John Carpenter did. Just play oh, the movie right. and have your synthesizer right there and go. Boop, 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 Pretty much. Boop, boop. Just, just uh, Tom, just slam down some power chords and everyone will think it's John Carpenter. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah. So maybe a bit of background for this movie. Uh, first off, we're going to do this deposition style. So we're not going to have the usual adversarial format. We're basically just going to talk about the movie and impressions and make jokes about it. So this is the second installment, unofficial second installment of John Carpenter's so-called Apocalypse Trilogy. This includes The Thing, this movie, The Prince of Darkness, and In the Mouth of Madness. This movie is by far the worst out of that trilogy. No doubt. <laughs> if, if the trilogy is a sandwich, this is the shit filling. That's yeah. uh, essentially what it is. Yeah, it's like a brioche shit and then like a really nice uh, ciabatta or something. Anyway. Yeah. So the thing that unites them is there's no characters or anything, but the thing that unites them is that the protagonists are fighting against creatures and ideas that are not necessarily supernatural, but more about a nature of the unknown or the incomprehensible. The production budget and box office is the craziest numbers I've ever seen. Any guesses? If you've looked, don't answer. But if you haven't looked, got it. any guesses yeah. how much money this movie costs to make? Fifty to sixty dollars. <laughs> <laughs> the cost. The cost of Alice Cooper's bike fare, like to fix his bike and then ride back to the ride to the set. I've got the numbers, so I'm not one. Guess. One serious guess, Dave. One serious guess. If you had to take, I also know. Yeah. Uh, okay. Okay. I okay, was. I was impressed too, though. Okay. If, if you had to make a serious guess, Tom. What would you say the budget was? Is 19... What, what's the year on this? Sorry. 1987. 1987. Mm-hmm. And I do know that he had total control over this movie. So I'm going to say he was able to amass a million dollars. Cat. Well, you kind of fucked it up because it was more than that. But it's still ridiculously <laughs> low. It was three Wait. million dollars. They spent three. more than a million dollars on this movie? Yes. <laughs> they have to pay actors, you know, to like make this thing. Well, they have to have craft they? services. <laughs> they have to. They had to rent out That's that church true. for the weekend. Well, a guy <laughs> that can do mouth trumpeting can't come cheap. You know, that had to be expensive. Get me mouth trumpet guy. Yeah, and the other thing that's hilarious about this movie is it's really the now five greatest hits anthology of actors from previous Carpenter movies. So we have Dennis Dunn and Victor Wong, who are both in Big Trouble in Little Chinatown. We have Donald Pleasance, also known as Dr. Loomis from Halloween. Um, And then we got some faces we know from 
elsewhere. We have Eddie Black from Darkman. Am I right? Oh, am I right? Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> we all know about Darkman. And this one, okay, did anyone recognize the fat balding guy with yes. the mullet? Oh, I you bet I did. Okay. I feel we, we didn't recognize for, Yeah, I feel ashamed for not guessing this. Uh Dave was actually going through the IMDb when we were watching the movie and he's just like <laughs> What a name by is. the way. He's got yeah. an amazing name. Just as yeah. if he was in nothing else ever after after this too. All right, fill us in, Matt. Who is this guy? <laughs> Dirk Blocker is his real name apparently. <laughs> I guess it's a made up it. name. It's is an it? actor's name. It's got yeah. a, a which is odd. Even that is a stranger choice. You can pick your name, and that's what you end up with, too. So where would you well, recognize That was his porn him? name Let's, first, and yeah. then it just kind of transitioned to legitimate. Movie. A C turns into an R so easily. It's so easily. Anyway, Dick Blocker plays... Uh, we would know him from uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. He's one of the Hitchcock and Scully dynamic <laughs> duo. I don't so know you can't tell them apart. Which one, he's one yeah. of them. He's one of them. <laughs> And That's also, like, so we, he's probably the most legitimate, like, of all of the graduate students that show up in this thing, he's probably the one that looks most like a physics graduate yeah. student. <laughs> Spot on. Yeah. Balding, yes. long hair. Still a little old, I'd say. Like, yeah. a little old. Hidden on, hidden on the younger the- students. Yeah. yeah. So now you know what Matt looks like. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I found out. Um, yeah, but there's only one actor that I really want to talk about, and that is the guy who played our lead, Brian Marsh. His name is Jameson Parker. Um, he kind of had some big role on uh, Simon and Simon way back in the 80s, like TV show that none of us obviously watched before our time. Yeah. And this guy, he plays again. He the main act, the main character, Brian Marsh, is totally not a narc, but a fellow student. So anyone know where a hip guy can score some grass, fellas? I'm definitely not a narc. This guy is the most narc-looking narc that ever narked in Narcville because he's got, like, a tucked-in polo shirt, a mustache, and, like, parted hair. He looks like a fucking cop. He wears a blazer to class. (laughs) We've all, I think we've all had that one guy in all of our classes, and they're always fucking weird sociopaths. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just like this guy. But Dylan, this, <laughs> this goes into your, your grand theory about the 80s hotness or not, right? Yes. That's just the fashion of that time. Having that mustache, he's pulling it off. Yes, he does look like a cop. And he also looks like he might be 55 with a minivan and settled down with a well, family. But He's apparently the sexiest man who's ever lived because he pulls out some serious game right at the start of the movie. <laughs> where he goes to hit on this chick and yeah. she's like, that's pretty sexist. And he's like, oh, I'm sexist and proud of it. And she's like, I'm really uncomfortable. So he like just turns it on and they sleep together. I don't understand how these well, rules I- work. He, was it a different time in the 80s? I, I look back at it, and I think it's because he did that weird, like, semi-magic trick, and that captivated her. <laughs> yeah, he here's, distracted her with something shiny. <laughs> no, here's, here's the thing. So though. she ignored does, his comments. Does he actually do the card magic trick? Because I don't think he ever successfully completes it. He tries yeah. it again later in the movie, and they do, yeah. like, a clever, they switch cameras, and, like, one scene he's doing it, and the other scene he's, like, made it disappear. I don't think he could. I really yeah. hope. Yeah, I was the, thinking that like this funny? was his side gig. Like he knew acting wasn't going to work out for him, so he's like, "I got to get into magic." <laughs> so he's trying to do it on set. <laughs> so he brought that to uh, John and said he wanted to incorporate a magic trick. And John thought it was like 
the greatest thing ever, and he included it in the movie. Yeah, because he can't say no to an idea. An idea comes into John Carpenter's sphere, and he's like, oh, I got to put it in my movie about the devil. I have to. Yes, and audience, you'll remember my argument from Ghosts of Mars. It was based purely on this, and we'll come back to that in in this discussion. Um, But no one liked Brian, right? Like, the second you meet him, did anyone think, cool guy, I hope he is our main protagonist? I thought he was going to be a villain. Yeah, he gave off creepy vibes right from the start. Yeah, I thought he was going to rape that woman right away. I'm like, oh, he's a sexual predator. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, no doubt in my mind iffy vibes going about him. But I don't know. He he flips it around on her. And was that just the time of the 80s? <laughs> flipped it around on all of us. <laughs> he would actually be a pretty good villain. Like if, if, if this were redone today, you would immediately assume he's the bad guy because he's, he's just got yeah. this unlikable personality. <laughs> just a face. Yeah. yeah. He's just gross. <laughs> like he's just this gross guy. And I feel bad because was- it's just a weird story, but it, it's just him. He's he's kind of that like the guys they portrayed as heroes in the eighties a lot of times are now the villains kind of thing. So yeah. anyway, that's maybe, Brian. I don't know. Maybe we're too harsh on him because the other characters in this movie, like none of them have great traits that I would say, oh, yeah, yeah, this guy's a hero. I I I could totally base my life around him. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All like, the men are misogynists and the I women think- are I mean portrayed poorly. They're, they're barely in the movie. Yeah, not the actor's fault. They barely have lines except for the one yeah. lady. But they yeah. move everything forward. Like, it's their research. Yeah. It's them, like, uh, what's her name? Melissa? Pol- no. Yeah. M- oh. Melissa. What was it? <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, yeah. Melissa. We had Melissa that was transcribing everything, and that was actually pushing the, the, the story forward of just like, nope, nope. This, this oh, evil yeah. is going Wait. to be coming. So you're just like, oh, okay, this is how it's going to progress. Okay. Was it her pushing the plot forward or was it the words in the computer pushing <laughs> the plot forward? I don't <laughs> know what? if it was even that. I thought it was just the tank of water that was magically leaking, uh, pushing it forward. There was like, there, there's this one like five minute scene. And if you are not paying attention to every single word, you're going to be totally fucking lost because she just does this giant expositioned up. Satan's yeah. anti-god. Jesus was an alien. Yeah, we'll get to that one. <laughs> we just yeah. gloss over that part. Yeah, it is yeah. just this like, take everything you know about the New Testament and shove it up your ass, folks, because we got the <laughs> real truth here. <laughs> anyway. Um, I think that was the tagline, too, of this movie. It's really, yeah. really bold. Do we want to get into the plot then? Well, we just finished our intro right now. Yeah. So we should. <laughs> oh, oh, well, we'll finish the intro eventually. At some point during this podcast, the intro will conclude. I the intro was we'll done. The, the intro was done when my voice, when I wasn't shouting anymore. So that's when the intro <laughs> ended. Um, so, speaking of intros that won't end, though, I want to take a quick poll because this movie might have the longest intro in movie history. I don't know where it ends because you get so far into the movie and then finally you realize, okay. The setup is over. Well, let's find out. Yeah. You, let's pull the yes. pull the audience. So you have a timestamp, Adam, but I also want to I know do. the scene. Oh, I definitely don't have the scene. We'll have a general survey. So so Matt, we'll start with Matt. Matt, for uh, you, when when did the intro stop and kind of the plot took took to the second act? When did that happen th- for you? I think intro probably stopped when Brian Marsh revealed himself as a sexual predator. Okay. <laughs> is that the end of it? I think that's about 25 minutes into the movie. So on the bench when they're in the quad? 
I think so. After that point, that's when like we finally have seen like, oh, that's the best boy is this. The key grip is that. Like the, the credits keep rolling. <laughs> okay. I think that's about it. Tom, where where'd the intro end for you? Uh, as soon as we just focus on that one guy doing the mouth trumpet for like five to <laughs> ten minutes. <laughs> I wish. So he is the other professor. He is a professor of biology or is it? I can't remember. I think he's a bio biochem. I think you're right. Think so. He's the only official adult, even though everyone in this movie is at least forty years old. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. I've got the scene now. I, I'm searching oh. in the background. Okay. Oh, Dave, Dave, how about you? Guess. See, I thought it was because like they left the mystery of why they're the church. So I soon I think as soon as they kind of got that like in the church, all the equipment set up. That was all intro all the way up to there. I'm with Dave. That's exactly when I think the intro ends. Yeah. I thought once the equipment set up and like right before the first squirting, right before (laughs) that. (laughs) We'll get into that. Uh, So based on my timestamp, so IMDb has a different value. It has nine minutes of the film, but I have 10 minutes and 45 seconds when directed by John Carpenter appears. And this is after the priest talking to the physicist and it cuts right into our narc practicing magic in his dorm room. So we've got no. the whole students. We've got the professor talking to them, talking about quantum physics, relativity theory. We've got the priests with the dying priests and the new book. Uh, so all of that has been dumped on us. And the intro is them basically getting ready to go into the, the evil church. Okay. When was this church built? Exactly. The 1500s, right? That's it what was, he says. It, it was associated with Spanish exploration. Yeah. What city is this in? This is LA, baby. Okay. Does it explicitly identify it? Because it's hard to tell because they're, um, you know, they're all students at University of Sciences. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's where I got my degree, too. Yeah, it's anyway, very unclear. It just says it's the most prestigious LA. school where all of your average graduate student age is 42. <laughs> yeah. So so kind of the the prologue begins with this aged priest basically dying clutching this little box thing which I can't remember if it comes up again. Does that little box come up again? It just had the key to unlock the basement. Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Okay. Um so this aged priest <laughs> is on his deathbed. Dr. Loomis comes in. By the way, Dr. Loomis, um Donald Pleasance, I think his official name in this is The Priest. I believe it's Detective Father or possibly <laughs> Father Detective. Yes. <laughs> Cuz he has two roles in this movie. Anyway, so he basically comes to this priest's dying room, collects this key and more or less opens goes to this church. So obviously one day John Carpenter was driving down the street and he saw this church and he thought, I'm going to film an entire motion picture in this building and not leave it. And it'll cost only $3 million. And so this is important because, and we'll come back to it, but basically the priest goes, he goes to the basement, he finds some horrible, horrible truth out. And then we get a super hard cut to Victor Wong. He's a professor at the university of sciences and he's having what appears to be a mental breakdown, probably due to early <laughs> onset dementia, but all the students are nodding along, even though this is clearly like an introductory how to write an essay academic writing class, but he's just losing his fucking mind talking about ghosts and shadows, subatomic level, about how common sense is about to collapse, 
talking about psychokinetic <laughs> antimatter. It's literally not even like coherent set. It's just these like. Well, it doesn't help with the way it's that like it was shot. It's like stream of consciousness. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it doesn't help with the way that it was shot because like you're saying, it's hard edits where you get him doing a snippet of like, hey, everything's built off quantum mechanics and then hard cut to something else and then coming back to him spewing about like consciousness. And you're like, Wait, where's the connect? I don't know why they filmed it that way, but I also know why they filmed it that way because John Carpenter had no way of connecting these two things. So they also, like, this is easier. They also take place over different days. Like you come back into the students are wearing different clothes and they're sitting in different spots. I did spots not notice so that. So I did not know. I thought that was oh, one man. lecture. So he's well. <laughs> just going up for days, multiple class lectures of these long, aimless so diatribes about black is white, up is down. Common sense. You don't know anything. A theoretical <laughs> physics graduate students. You want to hear about quantum mechanics for the first time? <laughs> they did their undergrad in it. Come on. <laughs> You're blowing my mind, professor. Yeah. And, and the funny thing is, is that the graduate students all have a grasp of quantum physics that is no further developed than John Carpenter's own. So they... <laughs> Fail Weird. to understand <laughs> the most basic principles, and they're also just the most unlikable group of 40 somethings pretending to be 20 somethings that you've ever seen. So they're all adified, so you can't tell if anyone's attractive or not. Um, <laughs> and there's a, a narc dash sexual predator who's supposed to be leading them, uh, but there are some like some good parts, like which unfortunately turn out to not be good parts. So among the students is fucking, is it Scully or is it the other one? <laughs> I think yeah, it's Hitchcock. Hitchcock. We'll go back you and got, forth. Don't worry. You got Hitchcock who is like the coolest one. I liked Hitchcock the most. Yep. You also have Dennis Dunn who I fucking loved in Big Trouble in the Chinatown. He's a fucking piece of shit in this movie. He's an oh, absolute I, piece of shit. I disagree, Dylan. I oh. hated him at the beginning, but at the end, that last like, 15 minutes or 20 minutes. I was just like, you do it, Walter. <laughs> You're the man. You've got this. I was so excited for him. He flipped it on me. I really enjoyed Walter. Okay, we'll come back to Walter. Um, and then we have all the ladies who are there to get impregnated, shit on, trapped in a hellscape universe. Squirted. And I forget Squirted what happens on. to Melissa. Not, not, nothing good. No. We, we don't actually know. A lot of people are thrown out a window. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like Except for the one. We, we don't know what happens to her. We don't know how she dies. No, we know Melissa. We just see her. Melissa, no, Melissa she got up. thrown up, but the other chick. The radiology the girl. First, yeah, she, she's the first victim. Um, she just yeah. magically ends up on the fucking ground. Yeah, we don't see anything now how she dies. They yeah, fall we out of, to bring we went back multiple times to check, and we couldn't find They fall out of a ha half-story window. And die at the That wasn't her. Fault. To death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The important well, thing to know is that for a solid 45 minutes, you have no fucking clue what this movie is actually about. You just keep getting these yeah. long, extended yes. monologues where, where John Carpenter is really, really stressing that you understand that at the subatomic level, common sense <laughs> breaks down. He repeats this four or five times throughout the movie. It's absolutely critical you understand that because otherwise... This movie doesn't make any sense. Correct. So critical that we all forgot it because I do yeah. not recall him saying that throughout the movie. <laughs> oh, it was it was stressed. It was very important was to it? the final climax of oh. reaching through a mirror to pull out the devil. But, you know. <laughs> yeah. And we'll get to the devil in a bit. Um, yeah. But 
much like the movie did. Um, uh, but basically, <laughs> yeah. So so we we meet these group of grad students. They're, they're pretty dislikable. Okay, I guess apparently Dennis Dunn, Adam liked Dennis Dunn. I didn't like Dennis Dunn. And I, I did like Dennis Dunn because there's a scene right after they leave and they're walking and it's Dennis Dunn and one of the women. I forget which one. Not the redheaded one, but some, one of the other ones. Anyway, mm-hmm. and they're talking about how common sense breaks down at the subatomic level, you know, as you do a little chit chat as you walk through the quad and the woman brings up Schrodinger's cat. Now, these are theoretical physics PhD candidates and <laughs> Dennis Dunn goes, huh? What's that? <laughs> what is that? And you're like, you're a fucking PhD candidate. You, This is like taught at like high school levels kids know about this <laughs> yep not how back the then fuck, but how the fuck does dennis dunn not know about this most famous of all logic exercises in the world so much so that the, the general public knows about it not even that he's also in that same scene this is when i really hated him because he's talking about oh well i guess i'm getting a phd in it i'll be a super rich millionaire by 40 <laughs> Which, <laughs> in a movie about Satan, antimatter God, and Jesus is an alien, that might be the craziest thing in this whole movie. <laughs> wait, wait, Jesus was an alien? <laughs> what did that come up? Oh, we'll get to it. Don't worry. <laughs> I think, I think, like, I, think I missed go the my, subplot. I'm going to go out of my way for Dennis on this one. I think maybe he had different schooling. He, he wasn't raised in this LA area, so maybe he had a different like yeah school program. Also, his head wasn't focused on physics at that moment. He was talking about some sweet house party that he has to attend the weekend. So that's where his attention was. So it is okay for him to have a slip up because he's a real cool dude. Look at this fucking dentist apologist, you guys. Jeez. We haven't even gotten to his racist jokes yet. Oh, yeah. Defend that. Yeah, that one's that one. I might have to let that slide. Which one? Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> he had a couple. He had a couple. He also had a homophobic joke. Yeah. Yeah, which was really surprising. Actually, we can talk about that one because he makes a comment. He's talking to uh, Melissa and another girl. The, we're not trying to be rude and saying, like, other girl, other lady. All of them look alike, and I don't think they were given names throughout this movie. <laughs> so, they, they all have no character. Yes, there, there's it, no character. There's no character. Yeah. yeah, it's really yeah. challenging. So... Dennis, who's, yeah, he's talking to Melissa and what was the comment he made? He's, they're having an argument and then he makes the comment that, uh, yeah, he was diagnosed at an earlier age of being. With homosexual panic disorder. Oh, sorry. I used to break out when I was 12. Doctor said it was a homosexual panic. Oh, well, let's move on. (laughs) And and that's it. (laughs) They just, they cut and then it's like, oh, there's a bit more to this character that I would love to learn, but nope, (laughs) we don't have time. We have to get back. But you did see him. Hiding in the closet. He never came out of it. <laughs> oh, so maybe there's For a long time. Bom, you just blew up. You blew this wide open. I love closet? this movie now. It's great. It's a masterpiece. John Carpenter is so deep is what I'm trying to get at. Oh my God, I'm in the closet. <laughs> oh my God. Okay, so basically we got to get this plot moving, much like the movie should have done. But basically, yeah, do we? we meet all these characters. <laughs> we don't like any of them. And... I like Hitchcock. He's like the chill guy. Okay, except Hitchcock. Yeah, he seems pretty chill. Does he have any lines? Like one or two, right? Yeah, he talks to the girl who gets squirted. He's like, hey, are you okay? And she's like, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> he's like the first guy who doesn't like try to like fuck her right there. Like fuck one of these girls or like say something super <laughs> sexist. He's, he's like, the only normal dude. Okay, see you later. 
And I'm like, holy shit, I like, he's the best one, I guess. Um, but yeah, that's kind of his only line. Then he gets his neck broken. Anyway, but we 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 get, so Dr. Loomis goes and he starts talking to Victor Wong. They're having this furious little conversation in the hallway. And basically, he's got to recruit a crack team. Two, three women and three men? I think it's three oh, women okay. and three men. Yeah. We don't know fucking any of them. From different departments, too. Yeah. No, they're all physics. They're all oh, thought, physics students. No, I thought he had they're like a biologist in physics. there, too. They come later, but they're not recruited by Victor Wong. Okay, sorry. Right. Sorry. Jumping he makes a yeah. phone call, and then we get a theology student, and we get two bio biochemists. And that's about it, I think. Right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. remember this. Graduate students. <laughs> Fate of the cosmos. <laughs> <laughs> but like, but even Victor Wong is just they like, couldn't spring for like. Why don't we just get like other faculty members from other universities? Like LA has quite a few universities. No, nope. my <laughs> shitty graduate students who are just <laughs> all even, trying to fuck each other and don't even know what Schrodinger's cat is. <laughs> yeah, and Victor Wong doesn't even like sweeten the deal for the grad students. It's like, listen, you're gonna be you're gonna be studying something that's groundbreaking that could change the universe. No, it's like. Hey, I need everybody to bring their own sleeping bag and sandwiches for the weekend. We're going to do some research. <laughs> got some, got some cots. He does. He does say he'll give a, a letter bump. Oh yeah. yes, it's a letter yeah, grade. Yeah, upper, upper <laughs> that was grade. that was the seal of the deal on this Which, one. Yeah, like when you're writing your PhD, that's what you're most concerned about. It's like I hope I get an A plus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So then we uh, we get it we get the gang together. Basically, we get this like that MacGruber scene where he gets his whole team together and puts them all in the van. Well, this happens except this time the van doesn't explode. So, and he drives them all to the church. So mm-hmm. that you've seen the church a couple times. Like it's always like accompanied with some ominous music, um, and it's a, it's a pretty creepy looking church, kind of in run down part of L.A. It's yeah. it's standing off on its own. It actually doesn't look that old, which is why I found it a bit weird that it was. It was set built location. in the 1500s. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a big brick and mortar church that really doesn't look that old. It looks shitty, but it doesn't yeah, look old. Yeah. But then you start noticing little things. So as this like team is coming together to go to the church, you're noticing like little little things, such as like. The, the bag lady, I think that's what she's credited as. There's a bag yeah. lady staring at the sun because there's a eclipse that's going to be happening. And she has like ants crawling over her. And you're kind of like, okay, this is off. This is weird. But you also start noticing more insect related things. It's not that themes. weird. It's not that it's weird. Not that there's weird. a lot of ants. I've seen, I've seen presidents do it. He might have had ants on him at the time too. Just staring <laughs> up at the sun during a solar eclipse. It's normal. Normal. And Tom, can you clarify, what is the relationship between the homeless and insects? <laughs> so we're jumping ahead a bit but like there's liquid goo in the church and it's satan obviously i don't need to explain that and uh satan in liquid goo form is able to exert power over lesser creatures and right. they state that specifically in the movie lesser creatures being insects ants beetles but also poor people <laughs> homeless people so it's about that moment when a wild Alice Cooper appears from behind appears from behind a dumpster looking uh, a little paler than usual. Now, ironically actually, that was not shot by just normal footage. He was just behind that dumpster. He had no idea a film was going on. Uh, he just woke up in that alley and thought, "Ah, fuck it, whatever. See what they're filming." And he was cast right then and there. Yeah. It's like, "Hey, they got sandwiches." Funny story. That's why you guys yes. tune in. Listen to these little factoids. <laughs> tidbits yeah so alice cooper becomes the um i don't know king of the homeless people i guess 
Other than and the bag lady was the queen. Big daddy the, homeless. Yeah, that's well, it's a monarchy. There's a king and a queen. Yeah, yeah. I get yeah. And anyway, we enter the church. And this is how you can make a movie for three million dollars when your entire set is limited to one space. So when we did Ghosts of Mars, I was kind of complaining about how fucking small the set felt, even though we're supposed to have like planet-wide events going on. Um, this is worse. This is global interdimensional chaos, and it's like eight people in five rooms, basically. Yep. And well, at one point during the watching, I was like, so the entire planet is affected by this, right? And then a pickup truck just drives by. <laughs> and uh, I don't know what the stakes are because I have, you know, Father Detective and uh, the professor telling us, like, the world is at stake. Everything, the universe will disappear, but you can still drive your pickup. Yeah. Did they express that to the students, though? I feel like the students didn't really have a grasp. Like, they were doing all the research. They're collecting this information. And then the professor was the one that was, like, I guess, like, filtering through it and understanding, like, what's happening with his conversations with the priest. But I I also kind of like it that it's just, like, there's this huge end-of-the-world event, and it's just this small group knowing about it. Like it could have gotten blown out of proportions. I think maybe I'm just used to those kind of movies where it's it's like Greenland or Geostorm, where it's the whole United States coming together to fight this one force. And we now know that's not realistic in any sense. So having just like a group of eight individuals in a basement trying to figure this out, I kind of liked it. There's a little charm there. Yeah. So anyways, Satan's <laughs> green goo, uh, who uh, his dad is a fucking interdimensional antimatter monster. And anyway, um, I'm getting ahead of myself trying to discredit Adam, which happens sometimes. Uh, but most times th- it'd be a first. Yeah. Be a great house courthouse first. <laughs> it, it's literally so hard to even begin to explain this plot. OK, so so the grad students are setting everything up. Like I said, a few other people show up. One man who plays a mean Mouth trumpet shows up. Oh. Yeah, not since King Louis have we heard such a mouth trumpet. Um, this guy shows up. I don't know what the fuck his point is, but they're testing goop, Everything. I guess. No, they're they're like maybe they're they're doing some radiocarbon dating of what the fuck Which, is in the basement. So what that's your assumption ba- though, right? That's your assumption because it's never clear what they're doing. They're just somebody did a tests. radio. No, somebody did radiocarbon dating of something. They said it was okay. Yeah, they found the top of the. It's like seven million years old or something like that. The crust on the outside of the container. Anyway, I um, I enjoyed the X-ray part. Yeah, which he brings the X-ray of the container. It's like it's it's a magical lock that can only be opened from the inside. Yes, and that just blew my mind because why would you keep the lock inside where the thing you're trying to keep locked up is? Because like a layer of duct tape or cock would have like totally defeated it's be- Satan. It's right? because of who put the devil in that tube. And we'll get to that. Why so, would he put the lock on the outside so that the thing inside couldn't open? Because it? it wasn't meant to keep him locked in there. Oh. El Diablo. Oh, oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm learning so much about this movie. You missed, not watching I, this movie. Just, <laughs> Dave, you weren't listening close enough to that three no, minute. I think I listened closely when they said we need science. Yeah. Yeah. To prove so, that this exists yes. or else the world wouldn't believe it. So there are two and themes. And threw that plot this... out right. the window in like 10 minutes. <laughs> does, yeah. So there are two themes in this movie at this stage, faith and science. And basically what John Carpenter is trying to do, like how, how can like faith and science, you know, be saying the same thing? What if faith is just a form of science? 
And he's really trying to like bridge these two themes because again, much like Ghosts of Mars, he read a fucking article somewhere one time, (laughs) didn't understand half of it. Actually, half would be a generous statement. That's generous, yeah. And just went off. So what he read had to have been something about antimatter. It, I don't really know, and a little bit about quantum physics and maybe the relationship between the two. I think so he, he understands that. I think he go ahead, Matt. He, You're he, the expert. I think he like thumbed through the Tao of physics or what the bleep do you know or one of those. I'm not sure when those were written, but if they were available, then I, but essentially one of those pop, the 80s yeah, some pop yeah. science version of like quantum mechanics is so goofy, man. Up is down, black is white. You could throw a, <laughs> a mug through the wall and it'll go right through. Tunneling, action at a distance, spooky, <laughs> and that's about like he just like kind of flipped through like oh antimatter, anti anti particles, interdimensionals. It, it's it's just like af- after that, being grounded in reality is not a concern for this move or any like science yeah. mumbo jumbo. Tachyons. Yeah. So so Victor Wong, this physics professor, had had like some TV debates with this priest. That's how they knew each other. The priest brings him in, basically like, hey, look. I got this situation on my hands in this church in LA. I don't know what I'm dealing with. They all come down to the basement and there is this giant vat with swirling green liquid that looks impossible. A soul NATO, if you will. <laughs> soul NATO. Oh. Surrounded by like hundreds of crosses and creepy candles and this book. And so we get introduced to this book and I'm sure the book has a name and I don't care. You freaking nerds who love John Carpenter movies. I don't care. (laughs) I don't care what the book is called at all. And they start to consult it and they're like, Oh my God, it's written in Greek and Latin and numbers who can read it. So they hire another graduate student. (laughs) 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 Why they, why they rely on like, why they would rely on a graduate student to do this. Again, he only had three million dollars. He can't afford a professor. Not even a postdoctoral <laughs> fellow. Like those people are the real no. slaves in the lab. You should get at least get yeah. one of them. No. They have the expertise to actually do this. This post, this doctoral student was like, "Well, I took like a couple of years of Latin, and like I'm in second semester Greek, so I can probably translate it." So she just <laughs> makes all this shit up. But anyway, so she gets recruited, and she is just free reading this stuff, like. Which is interesting because they made it clear that like, oh, there's like many layers of, of text and there's been things scraped, which is actually a real thing in um, like historical textual studies. These are called sets. They would like scrape text off and write over top of things. So again, little tidbits of reality are just scattered throughout this movie. But again, he doesn't, Carpenter doesn't understand these things. It's not that they're hiding information when they do that they do it because paper used to cost a lot of money they didn't have paper they had like animal leather vellum so they that's why they would scrape it off because they're like well this fucking stuff doesn't matter so it's like frustrating tidbits where it's like you're so close to grasping an actual (laughs) truth here but you're just fucking it up in the execution yeah Hmm. that's that's a beautiful way of putting this movie tom yeah (laughs) it's so close to being something that that would be decent Okay, and for the sake of getting through this movie and getting us, we're still we're still not officially to the end of the intro, at least according to (laughs) Dave and I. Um, We get Melissa. This is the theology graduate student who they bring to translate. By the way, we make fun of her, but she does a fantastic job. She just like reads it, no problem. Even though there's numbers, amazing. Even though there's just numbers involved, she's like, oh yeah, I know what this is. 
So the first thing she's she notices banging that shit out. She's really good at her job, I think, is what it I comes think down she to. was born for it. Yeah. Huh? Oh. Yeah. Think about that. No. <laughs> oh, okay, cool. <laughs> too, bad she, um, too bad she falls out of a window that's two feet high and dies. <laughs> so she notices all of a sudden that there's differential equations in this book. Whoa. 2,000 years old. Matt, when well, did they invent differential equations? Way after that, man. Way after that. <laughs> Bro. How could they have done that? How could they have come up with all these partial differential equations that are written in Latin? What does that mean? I don't know. Okay, Matt. Look, is it this is for Matt? Is it beyond the realm of possibility that Satan could have taught humans differential equations? Ergo, physics is the devil. <laughs> it's not <laughs> out of the question. It is not out of the question. You heard it here, folks. Yeah. Confirmed only, by physicists. Only if Satan so can, is can also add- antimatter green goo swirling in the bottom of a church that has been abandoned for many years, even though the fate of the universe depends on it. Who's lighting those candles in that room, by the way? <laughs> that, that would take a long time, right? Question. I asked that too. <laughs> anyway. I, I, can we back up those? So Jesus locked him in this tube, right? No. Okay. So now we, now we need to get to Melissa's kind of information yeah. dump. So first thing the priest tells us is that the people who have been guarding over this church are, are known as the Brotherhood of Sleep. They're the most powerful, powerful secret sect which even the Vatican itself doesn't know. They house this swirling green vial in downtown LA. <laughs> Since the 1500s. With all those fault lines and earthquakes happening. Sorry, I just, I just, <laughs> yeah. is that the safest so, place for this? But move on. Yeah, we can move forward. So the most powerful organization in the world that has kept the secret for about 2,000 years is now led by what I can only call the most inept group of grad students you've ever seen. <laughs> now, here's where things finally start to make some sense. Now, the theology student translates the text, and guess what? Here's a question. I'm going to ask Tom. Tom, Mm. what's worse? It's so much worse than we thought. What is the one thing more powerful than Satan? And don't say God. It's not God. Uh, Nothing, right? No, there's one thing. There's one thing. (laughs) anti-God? You're on track. Matt, what's the one thing more powerful than Satan? Is Is it Satan's dad? It's Satan's dad. The one thing more powerful than Satan is Satan's dad. Big dad. Who is the anti-god. So, Tom, you were right. Okay. Points all around. (laughs) Points all around. I don't feel right. I feel wrong about it. (laughs) No, he is the the anti-god. So, Satan's dad. Oh, shit. We fucked. So, Satan's dad buried Satan in a pot in the Middle East so that in the future he could bring him back so that Satan could bring him back from the dark side. So Satan could bring his what? dad back from the dark side. That's why the lock's on the inside, because it was Satan's dad who put Satan in the t- in the tube. Dylan, I, I, I heard differently. Hold on. I thought it was Jesus locked him inside because the t- no. at the time, civilization wouldn't understand. I bet, I bet you don't even know that Jesus was a humanoid alien. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I knew that. That was in my heart. I, all right. He as we himself. all know, as it's written in the Holy Scriptures, Jesus was a humanoid alien. He tried to warn Amazing humanity. <laughs> oh, so I had that way backwards then. <laughs> Lord, I lift your name on high. I thought it was Jesus that locked him in there. And the whole point was that Jesus like, oh, we can't 
deal with them now because civilization won't understand what's happening or something like that? No, you're so wrong. No. Is there ever an appropriate time to deal with the son of Satan? I don't know. That's why I, I was very confused. Science by that needed idea. to develop it. Okay. Only when we have dot matrix printers to print out all these differential equations can <laughs> then we okay. do the pinnacle of technology. Then we're what ready. were the equations for then? So I thought the equations were the re, uh, way differentiating. To- I can't make this clearer. <laughs> Look, let me let me it's answer the title it this way. Of them. Amazing <laughs> grace. Oh boy! You guys want to start a religious podcast? Do it, do it. I'm not even do done what? with the story. So, so, so <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> the humanoid alien, he came to Earth to warn humanity about this pot, but they all thought he was crazy. Uh, and we were worried because he had too much power because they didn't understand his science. Eh. So that's why they crucified that's him. Why. Yeah, so they kill him. But you know who his disciples become? The Knights of the Templar? The Brotherhood of Sleep. Uh. Witness the greatest cover-up in human history. <laughs> this is the secret that the Brotherhood of Sleep has defended for 20 centuries. Satan is green stuff in a jar and alien <laughs> Jesus died trying to save us. Can I ask a Only to question? really fuck it up in the last mile, right? Because it was down to like one guy going out once a week for food for 30 years. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's the classic uh, panda conundrum where they just refuse to uh, procreate, so they died out. They went extinct. <laughs> <laughs> we should have thought of the celibacy oath. This was a terrible idea. <laughs> Serious question, though, Dylan. Was yeah. this in the movie? Did they yes. say all of yes. this in the movie? Yeah, they no, did. It's, okay. it's not all contained in her, in for, a lot of it's in her little exposition dump when she's reading the book, but a little bit you get a little, a bit later um, towards the um, okay. mirror scene. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. I, I was kind of on the right track, but I, yeah, I definitely got confused. I definitely thought it was Jesus that locked him in there. Yeah. And that the technology wasn't around. Yeah, or something and some, and some of you get from the priest, Dr. Loomis, who's explaining what yeah. the brotherhood of sleep is. So mm-hmm. that's kind of the condensed spark notes of, of the overarching. It's not, is, is, so this, does this, is professor father Loomis, is he supposed to be the next member of the brotherhood of like the one guy? No, dies he's an he, outsider, but like, He's just a detective that the church brings in when someone dies holding a box. So that was... They're like, get Father Detective in. You gotta open the box. Hey, Ignatius, we got another one over here. He's clutching a box, too. Yeah, we got him. I can't remember who the nun said he had an appointment with, but I think that was the next person oh. to inherit the key. At the very start, he's like, she, right. he had an appointment with so-and-so tomorrow. But he died. So that guy's just sitting around twiddling his thumbs going, gee, I thought my life was supposed to be more than this. <laughs> yeah. Aww. Yeah. So so Melissa finishes just explaining this unbelievable story. And then Dennis Dunn goes, huh, I thought you were supposed to be Asian. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You could that pass one. for Asian, yeah, huh? Or no, one. yeah. You could pass for Asian. <laughs> oh, my anyone God. Anyone get that joke? And Does anyone understand no, what that no, joke is supposed to be? And she responds appropriately by, like, leaving the room. And he's just standing there, like, <laughs> Almost grabbing his dick going, I don't get it. I thought that we were going to. Adam's favorite character, everybody. Adam's favorite (laughs) character. Not that moment. Not that moment. Again, I really liked Walter in the last 15 minutes when he was trying to escape the closet and everything else after that. Okay, but what did he mean? You could pass for Asian. She is Asian, right? Yeah, she is. She's Chinese. She's very obviously Asian. As Asian as he is. 
What the hell is, is going on? Is that like a secret joke that like me as a white man I do not understand? Is that is that something that like culturally I just missed? Oh, maybe maybe I, she's like maybe much like, like all these advanced concepts like you know a Jesus is a space alien and <laughs> Satan is the offspring of bigger Satan. Like my tiny brain, all I heard was anti god and I checked out. That's it. <laughs> yeah. John Carpenter wins there, Tom. Yep. He got By the you. way, learning that Jesus was a space alien really makes Loomis's like end scene really stupid because he's like reading the Bible and like praying, like, oh God, Jesus. It's like, Loomis, we've told you once, we've told you a thousand times. He's an <laughs> alien. He's not coming to save you. <laughs> he spends literally a full fucking day behind that boiler <laughs> reading the Bible. <laughs> Oh, and Eddie that. Black is just laughing <laughs> in front of the mirror the whole time too. So he's behind the boiler reading the Bible. Eddie Black is laughing in front of the mirror. Who yeah, I actually let, thought he he did the best like crazy person out of the whole group. Yeah, yeah. he seemed yeah. Well, insane. There was actual emotion as opposed to like I'll just stand there with a blank look on my face and John Carpenter's yeah. just rubbing his hands behind the camera going, "Yeah, brilliant. Can this we, is exactly what I wanted." Yeah, can we get into like? where the sign experiment, this research just takes a dark turn where sure. we get we get the container opening up and our first victim. Our first victim is actually outside the Oh yeah. Church. The first vic the first yeah. victim is in my first my victim. favorite the most the funniest scene in this movie where the guy there's the guy <laughs> sitting outside in the parking lot and then this homeless woman and it's like the seat this real No no before that Matthew what what happens before it involves a bicycle? Oh, has the bicycle? We forgot the bicycle oh part. The, some poor graduate right. student well, goes out okay, there. Right. Well, okay, but yeah. so a lot of grad students correctly discern that like there's no reason to be here. It's like this is fucking stupid, and I want to go to my sweet house party. <laughs> so he tries to leave, and upon encountering a group of homeless people, just surrenders. It's basically like unhinged <laughs> again in the diner scene, where he just he just fucking gives up. <laughs> well, so he's, no he's startled, right? Instinct. What would, what would you do if you saw a gang like coming at you and you're trapped in a in a very tiny hallway? Like in a make backpack? any noise, make any noise, do anything. Yeah, I wouldn't Literally stand there anything. and watch Alice Cooper slowly walk and stab me with a bicycle. Half, half a bicycle. <laughs> half of like, a bicycle. He just, like, stares at him. <laughs> He's killed by half a bicycle. Alice Cooper's very strong in this movie. Oh, by yes. the way, yeah, yeah. What does That's it say one. about John Carpenter's relationship to homeless people? What does he think about them? They're insects. Clearly, they have tiny brains, and that's why they're homeless. super strong insects. Well, the ant can lift up uh, to fifty times this body weight, just like Alice Cooper can shove a bicycle through your sternum with very little resistance. Mm -hmm. It's like he wasn't there at all. <laughs> Apparently, that was a prop in one of his shows. Yeah, someone's. Yeah, one of you said that he used to have that as like a yeah stage act when he's singing. Apparently, he would take he would take yeah. a grad student. Yeah, feed my Frankenstein. Take a grad student, stab him on stage, and just leave him there for the full set. Yeah, he had some kind of like impalement gimmick, yeah. kind of like you know Ozzy uh, biting the bat head, but it was supposed to be fake, and one time it was real. But um, Alice Cooper's a murderer is, is the end of that joke. But anyway. <laughs> guys, what's the better Alice Cooper cameo, this movie or Wayne's World? It's Wayne's, Wayne's World. World. It's Wayne's World. He has lines in Wayne's World. Yep, Miliwake. Ooh. Wait, does he have Excellent. no lines in this movie? Like, he doesn't yeah. say a single word? He didn't say anything. I don't think he yeah, does. Because they, they were possessed, right? Like, they were, were oh, right. overcome by Satan. But they were tiny-brained <laughs> homeless people, so, okay? No, but this is the thing. I, I was also trying to do some digging into this, and I was watching some behind-the-scenes and stuff, and it's not a form of mind control, they were saying. It's a form That's of, like, what I was gonna say. soul control. So 
Oh, sorry. They're homeless people. They got tiny, shitty souls. There we go. <laughs> I, it's easier to corrupt, I guess, their souls than than other people's. I like he wasn't taking them over and like controlling them, like just like mind, like soul controlling. I guess like he wasn't actually in their body or nothing. Well, you're the soul expert, Dave. You tell us. Yeah, this person yeah. now has soul magic. So. <laughs> Yeah, this is a little confusing. But, but that's our first death. It's kind of shocking. It's kind of gruesome. You see some blood, but mm-hmm. fairly tame. And nobody else in the building hears that man scream. I don't even think he screams. Because he doesn't scream. He just takes the bike like a fucking champ. <laughs> and then just like, oh, time to die in a cool pose. And then balances himself on the fucking wheel. <laughs> and just they just leave him there. You got me, partner. <laughs> <laughs> but nobody hears That's the first it. kill. No, yeah, that's yeah. the first kill. No, None of the grad students recognize it. They're all just like, oh, they're just leaving for the night. That's that's their hunch, right? When mm-hmm. no one's returning. Yeah, when their instructions were specifically to get sandwiches and fucking get on the cots. Yeah. Start sleeping. <laughs> hey, quick question. When you do research, can it be like the issue that you're trying to resolve? Could that be ta- like taken care of in 48 hours over just like a weekend? Like this is no no big thing. Yeah. It's typically how no. it happens, right? It's not like months. <laughs> for the for these grad students, they can definitely do it in 48 hours. It's crack squad of scientists we've accumulated here. Do you want me to go into the, the next kill then? Because I think this is the bag lady. It's bad. You're, you're not, you're bouncing, you're bouncing, you're staying outside too much. Shit's happening inside <laughs> the church too, you know. Yeah. It's not just homeless murders. So the we homeless have our people, first possession. We have our first possession. So the oh, okay. homeless people have been converted through solar radiation, as far as we can tell. We don't know why they're there under the control of Satan, <laughs> but they are. Meanwhile, us normies with full souls on the inside of the church, we have to be over-possessed with a much more potent mix. Yes. Right. Adam, please describe the process. A stream of goo. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. So it's, I got her name. Don't worry. I got It's Kelly. Kelly goes down to the basement all by herself. Hitchcock was supposed to follow her. But he's like, I'm, if I'm not getting laid, I'm not going. So Kelly goes down what? to the... Like a yeah. cool guy. No, Hitchcock is pure. He's just like, I got to grab some sandwiches no, that's, and some that's tables exactly upstairs. Like, that was line for line from this movie. <laughs> if I ain't getting laid, I ain't going down there. Uh, so jerk. anyway, Kelly goes down to the basement and she's walking over to the central tube, the green ooze, it's spiraling. And uh, as she's looking at it, she noticed that one of the machines starts jumping forward. So you get our first like jump scare of this movie. And uh, she looks up at the roof and you can see that the the ooze or the liquid is starting to seep upwards. It's going against gravity and it's pooling on the roof. And she just stares at it. Mouth fully open. Mouth fully open. In awe, as you would, because you're seeing something that's defying the laws of physics... It now comes down and pulls into her mouth. It just squirts her in the face. And because her mouth is open, she she takes it all in. Can you describe this squirting to us? (laughs) Would you say it's like a Super Soaker 50 or Super Soaker 200? Which one of those months? Yeah, at least a Super Soaker 250. Um, (laughs) Dual barrel. With the spiral oh. <laughs> that's coming at her. Yeah, very fancy. I, very I fancy challenge tech. your memory of this scene. I don't think her mouth was wide open initially. I think she got <laughs> okay. hit square in the face and then opened her mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been in awe, like, what is going on? You know, like having it open. But no, maybe Dylan's right. Her mouth was closed. And then once she got hit in the face, she's like, just takes it all in. But doesn't move out of the way. She either. becomes possessed. It's just one yeah. tiny, turn her head. tiny little stream. <laughs> ah. 
Ah, ah. Just doesn't move her. <laughs> just takes <laughs> Which is so funny because it's it's not even like like if it's like a zombie movie, sometimes it's like all you need is like one drop of blood in to like possess it. It's a fairly mm-hmm. substantial amount of squirt that gets in these people's mouths. So it's like Oh yeah. Like you have to try to get it in their It's your really mouth they're really trying apparently. to get it in their mouths. They're like being pinned down. They're like, just turn your head. Turn your head and you are fine. But they nobody yeah. thinks to do that. Instead they all open their mouths as wide as possible. And then they immediately <laughs> start going, ah! <laughs> they yeah. immediately turn into Nicolas Cage in <laughs> yeah. Just grab her throat and scream. So she's the first victim, right? And uh she is now possessed by the son of Satan. What does that possession look like? Does like she change in any physical way? <laughs> I she think will. She become, she, <laughs> I think she becomes paler. Like she has a a lighter She has skin like a blue tone. tinge. Yeah, I, I, felt, I like. felt like that. Oh, she's not wearing her glasses though, Tom. She's not wearing her glasses. So that's a that's a tell right there. Anybody without glasses on. Could be. When you're possessed, you stop acting. Is what <laughs> you just stand there and look. It comes a piece of wood mm-hmm. just <laughs> on set. Anyway, Hitchcock comes downstairs. He's like, "Hey, is there a couple chicken wings down here?" Oh shit! Breaks her neck. <laughs> yeah, she snaps his neck. She Easily snaps, breaks yeah. his neck. No one notices. By the that way, Hitchcock's that scene—he was the most Hitchcocky that he is the whole movie. He's so much <laughs> like his character yeah. in Brooklyn Nine-Nine. In that scene, oh, what's going on down here, guys? <laughs> it just gets killed. Yeah. Back outside. Uh, so, back, uh, yeah, yeah, back let's outside. go back outside. Back Man. outside is the most. lady. Yeah, so one of the graduate students, we don't know his name. It doesn't matter. He's wearing a blazer. He's got a weird mullet. Weird, strange grad student. And he's just standing out in the, and he's just like, they all try to convince him to come back in the into the church. He doesn't. He stands out there. And then this, one of the homeless ladies, I think it might be the queen, the leader of them, the bag lady that we mentioned earlier. Yeah. She runs from across yeah. this giant empty parking lot with a pair of garden shears so slowly. And they have this giant wide <laughs> shot of him just standing there with her. And she's just kind of slowly jogging across the way. And it's the funniest thing. I think thing. she's screaming the whole time too. Yeah. It looks like she should be in a Wes Anderson movie or something. This weird scene. And then she, oh. he doesn't move at all. And she proceeds to stab him like 12,000 times. And just the way the, the way it's played, it plays out is the strangest, weirdest thing I've ever seen. It's the laziest slow motion stabbing to death scene I think I've ever seen. It's like Austin Powers <laughs> where the guy's about to get crushed by the steamroller. And you see it and he sees it. Watch out. And nobody does anything. Uh, to be fair, he was he was covered in beetles. So he's like, oh, I can't defend myself against this knife. There's beetles on my shoes. Yes, he was distracted by the bugs. Uh-oh. Oh, that explains it. Not but, the screaming lady with a giant garden yeah. shear? Yeah, he should have heard Half her. a garden shear. He could Half have a garden shear. And so begins a full-blown squirt fest inside. Yeah. Girls squirting guys. <laughs> guys squirting guys. Guys squirting girls. Squirting all over the place. Nice. Everyone is getting possessed. Nice. And then um, Eddie Black, for no apparent reason, just gets possessed. I don't think he even gets squirted. No, there's, there's the scene where he, like, so somebody, uh, I think one of them clocks him and he's kind of knocked out on the ground. And then I forget I, whoever it is, the one who first got gets squirted, goes up to him and then she kisses him. And then oh, yeah, kisses he, him. it's implied that, like, I guess she's, like, squirting him with her mouth right on his mouth. But the sound effect is somebody slurping something up through a straw. Like, it's a slurpy sound oh, effect. It's yes. a literal slurpy. Yeah, it was, yeah, someone yeah. had a big gulp, and they're at the very base of it, and they're just going to town on that Three thing. million dollars. But there you go. Like, <laughs> he, he tried to avoid her. He tried to avoid her, and Kelly just, like, locks lips, like, seals seals their mouths together. So she's just spewing 
spewing. Wait, this, isn't uh, that how you're supposed to kiss? Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like <laughs> yeah. full airtight seal, right? Make Guys? your mouth a circle. Yeah. Make your mouth a circle. And then as you get wide as possible. And, and it goes over the mouth. Circle. Right? To yes. ensure. Oh, yeah. And then you regurgitate everything in your stomach and, and you, shove it into theirs. Yeah. <laughs> right. You lock tongues. <laughs> you yeah. lock tongues. So it's just like, like a mechanism right there. And then you just breathe heavily. Back and forth. This is second base. Inflating each other's cheeks, It's right? called sharing breath. <laughs> yeah. And it's erotic. It is the most sexy thing that you can do. I think them. they call it chippendaling. <laughs> is, that, is that breath play? Am I getting breath that play? right? That's breath play, right? Breath yeah. play. <laughs> All right, just making sure I knew what I'm doing. Just making sure. Okay, at this stage, we got like, I don't know, 70% of the crew is possessed. <laughs> Good. A good chunk of them. You don't really need to explain each scene because it just it's pretty repetitive. <laughs> we do we do need one though. There's okay. one lady in here. I think it's Susan. I don't recall her name, but when they're down in the basement, she's a klutz and she bumps into one of the machines and she gets a bruise. And she's describing it to other people, just like, oh no, I just kind of like hit my funny bone or whatnot. Anyway, that bruise starts forming and it becomes a symbol. This symbol, I don't know what it looks like. It's like a cross with some circles and a fish hook or something along those lines. But this is supposed to be the vessel that uh El Diablo. That El it's, Diablo it's is supposed that to take. S we used to all draw on our journals in like math class. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. Oh, no. <laughs> But we, we find out that uh, Susan is now the vessel or can be the vessel for the son of Satan. And this is where you get Kelly. And as quantum physics tells us, if something can happen, it will. Right. So mm -hmm. she is. Yeah. So she gets squirted pretty. No, no. She's sorry. She doesn't get squirted. They bring the. No, she does. Someone squirts her. I thought it was from the roof and all the fluid from the roof like enters every. Yeah, orifice. that gets hurt. That's two different characters. Right. There's there's lady who gets squirted yeah. and then she's like, I'm getting real tired it's 3 30 we've been doing research oh, for like yeah. 10 hours i'm just gonna take a nap everyone else is like fucking whatever okay nap time and then she goes and she has a nap and someone comes in the room squirts the shit out of her i think it might happen off i camera. think that was melissa or yeah it yeah. was it was one of them yeah right it was one of satan's sluts and uh <laughs> She squirts. She drenches her. She's filled up. Drenches her. If only Howard then, the Duck was here to save the day. Yeah. <laughs> oh, um, God. But, the, but after that, after that, doesn't Dennis come into her room and he's like, this is my chance. This is my chance Dennis to shine. Dennis is such a I'm gonna... fucking piece of shit. How do you like him in this movie? <laughs> I don't like him now. I like him at the end. I made that very clear. You, you like him when he's bricking that lady and then throws her out a window. Yes, that's my favorite part. <laughs> but Dennis, yeah, Dennis. The other thing is like, at this point, Dennis fully, I'm talking about the actor now, he fully forgets mm. how to do his job and can't have conversations. He's talking to Brian one scene, and it's literally like worse than high school theater, watching these two fucking <laughs> idiots talk to each other. It's so unbelievably bad, and it's still not the worst piece of acting. That's yet to come. I've... I've got an explanation for that one. It might not be his fault. John Carpenter went on record saying, normally I let my actors improvise and kind of bring stuff to the table and whatever else. But in this one, because we had so little money, I just wanted to shoot exactly what was on the script. Okay. So again, this is a poorly written movie. Yeah. Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I have to say that like uh, Dennis Dunn or Walter, like Walter the character, plays like he's in a, a boner comedy more than yes. anything. He does yeah. not fit into this movie. <laughs> Everybody else is like, well, I'm a scientist. And Dennis is like, I just want to get laid. I, I need to go to this party now. And if I can't 
get laid at the party. When I was 12, the doctor said I was gay. Are you Asian? And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, just it's very, totally inappropriate because he's like, at the point, at some point, he's like locked himself in the closet to hide himself from these people. This woman, the skin is falling off of her. She's inflated with Satan's son himself. Hell and then he's like, normally I love being dominated by women, but this is not right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You are going to die. Yeah. <laughs> this is not the time to be cracking jokes like yeah. this. You're stuck in a closet. That's just his coping mechanism. And about this time, we start getting the dreams. So you remember how we said oh, fucking yeah. John Carpenter just keeps adding shit? Oh. Well, here's another one he's added. He read something. Guys, he read something somewhere about tachyons. Oh, God. <laughs> Probably saw it on Star Trek. He's oh, fucking tachyons. All right, Matt. Okay. Matt. Yeah. Explain tachyons, re- uh, connect it to time travel in paycheck, and then relate all of that back to dreams. Okay, so you've got a giant laser. You shoot some tachyons all the way around the apple-shaped universe. It comes back to you. You have information from the future. Ergo, Satan is an antimatter god. Easy. Right. It's oh, easy. Nailed it. Yeah. yeah. I think you explained it better than John. I think you actually did. Yeah. Hold yeah. up, hold up, hold up. How do you transmit those into people's dreams in the past? Doesn't matter. They don't They don't tell us. Doesn't matter. And it's also... Technology in the non-specific future. Oh, 1999. no. Very specific. Very specific. 1999. 12, in 12 years, we will have the technology to shoot tachyon beams back in time and shoot like grainy VHS video. Only yeah. to your dreams, though. Only to your unconscious electrical neuroinfederance or something like that. (laughs) So they all, they all start having the same dream and it's kind of like this grainy thing. It's like the front of the church and somebody's walking out and they all find out they have the same dream. And then our buddy, Victor Wong says, tachyons, you ever heard of them? Which, which are essentially particles that move faster than light. They're theoretical things. Most physicists don't take them seriously because it's like so outlandish. It's not part of the standard mod- model of, of particle physics. It's just a bunch of hooey nonsense, but science fiction people love it because you can send information back in time, theoretically. Mm-hmm. And then that's about it. Beautiful. There we go. Uh, proven in this film. In this film. <laughs> also, <laughs> also doesn't, you could remove this subplot entirely and the movie would be the same oh yeah he could have he could have gone in multiple well, directions yes did you hear that matt just proved there is no god oh oh, oh. matt oh. <laughs> el diablo <laughs> el diablo could could you take the whole scientific subplot out of this movie and it would still work easily it could just easily. be about so easily religion just religion yeah Honestly, it could just be well. Then Victor Wong, some guy, some guys. Victor Wong could be a karate trainer, and just like be trapped in this church. Training three kids in the background, you know, a bunch just of karate grad students. Tune in next week for Three Ninjas High Noon at Mega Mountain, starring Victor Wong. We're, yeah, we're gonna see what carries over for that. But I, I kind of this is the part. There's like little things of this movie that I don't mind and I like. I like the dreams, like everyone was connected, they're having the same dreams, because it's saying like, there is still a threat, and it's happening in the future, so your actions right now, whatever you do, you could prevent this, so that's what they're Yeah, yeah, for. save the whales, okay, we get it. <laughs> but they all have different dreams, so there's like slight differences, where it's like the, the figure 
the figure in the in the doorway, that's what changes for each dream. So I, I thought it was always a dark, mysterious figure. It is, but it's until it the ch- end of the movie, after uh, she jumps into the mirror dimension, and John Carpenter almost killed the actress during the shooting. <laughs> spoilers, you know, Tom. Spoilers. We're yeah, getting hang there. On, we're we getting there. That's different because she's now in that weird world. No, no, no. But before, when they're all in the room, it's always a dark figure. Hold yeah. on, hold on. Let's let's keep going with this no. because I think you're wrong. No, <laughs> El Diablo. All right, Dennis. Dennis Wong is trapped in the closet and he's cracking jokes. <laughs> <laughs> the son of Satan is about to come out of uh, Susan. Uh, God, these names. Susan. Some woman. Some female character that definitely passes the Bechdel test. <laughs> <laughs> it turns out it was less a pregnancy and more uh, appendicitis. <laughs> yep. Yes. Yeah. Acute. Yeah. Yeah. Very and acute. eruptures. Eruptures bad. And her yeah. skin melts off. Super gnarly. We got the skinless woman, but her hair is still perfect, which is weird. So that's what's happening in this room. What's mm-hmm. happening outside of this room? Now we have to focus elsewhere because we have other characters that are still currently alive. And yeah, they are a dude hiding behind a boiler. And they're hiding behind a boiler, reading the ramblings of a crazy humanoid alien. <laughs> <laughs> but we have Jameson Park Parker or Brian. We have Catherine as well as Victor. Wall. They're just chilling in a room doing. Yeah, nothing. we haven't even mentioned Catherine, and she is probably one of the more important characters. But this is how little he wrote for her. Like, <laughs> yeah. she was the one who Brian tried to sexually harass. They had no, both of them had basically no role through the center, like the second act yeah. of this entire movie. I don't even remember them yeah. in it, but now we're getting to the end, so they're back. So Catherine no, we're, is. We're still in the introduction, Dylan. <laughs> yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> we're still introducing these characters. Yeah. yeah. I haven't yeah. found out who the best boy is yet. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So we have, yeah, there's also another guy. I forgot his name completely. But Victor there, Wong's there's, in there. The most important. Yeah, character. Victor Wong. So there's four, there's actually four individuals that are in this room, oh, which right. is on the opposite side of the closet, which Walter's trapped in. So they barricaded their room because you have Scully or Hitchcock as well as, oh, what's his name? Malicia. The mouth trumpet, dude. Mouth trumpet. Mouth trumpet. There's a couple people that have been possessed. Yes. And they are outside of the room and they're just standing there because they're waiting for uh, Satan's son to get enough strength, enough energy. No, no, no. Satan. Just Satan. No, no. I thought it was Satan's son, though. No, Satan's dad is the anti-god on the other side of the mirror. That is Satan. Okay. Okay. Sorry. Sorry. So we have Satan that's getting, building up his strength. It's strength. Uh, you can see that because it's able to move the cots around the room as uh, Susan's laughing hysterically. And this is where Walter's just like, I've had enough. I'm going to start smashing through this wall, even though there's like eight levels of concrete and like cinder blocks that are blocking his way. And he loses uh, it. Don't give him that much agency. <laughs> he doesn't start smashing through the wall. He says to the people in the other room, do something to help this me. <laughs> and they start to dig through. Yeah. And the very end, he panics and helps. Yeah. But he bursts through that wall. It's fantastic. Like the work that Catherine did, like the the four on the other side of the room, they're going at it for like four hours and they barely made a dent. But Walter, no, a no, full day. A whole Walter, day. Walter in four minutes, <laughs> <laughs> he gets through that wall as quickly as possible. Cause they, because they they pounded have. through like two layers of brick. They're like, Walter, this would really work better if you chipped just a little bit from your side. I can't. I have carpal tunnel. How many times do I have to tell you, asshole? No, Victor specifically said to watch the devil very closely. Yes. So he had a job. (laughs) Which he starts failing because he panics because the devil now is more powerful and can start breaking the door down. 
with mind powers. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I missed it, but Dylan, can you explain? Is there anywhere before this point that mirrors come and come up as a topic? No, not at all. Or has mirrors been completely? <laughs> Well, no. At one point, Father Detective and Professor uh, Incompetent are sitting in someone's office talking about, like, just ramblings. Just like John Carpenter's, like, again, stream of consciousness bullshit. And it's presented as this, like, great truth where it's like, oh, I understand now. The mirror is the inverse image of God. What if the mirror universe is the anti-God? And then, like, the movie just moves Mm -hmm. on. Oh, yeah. I and you're just left there sitting there wondering, going like, what the oh. fuck am I watching? But the intro isn't over, so you got to keep watching a bit further so the movie starts. <laughs> yeah. I, I, okay, so they do talk about mirrors. All right. I, I missed that. that he literally uses the word mirror, uh, and from my recollection, it comes out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, there's no real buildup. He's just like, you know what? Mirror universe. I and think, he drops that truth bomb in Father Detective's lap and he goes, oh! Did he say mirror universe or did he say mirror image? Uh, mirror image. What's the difference? <laughs> how could mirrors be real if our eyes aren't real? Checkmate. <laughs> I thought he was talking about matter, antimatter. And then he said God, yes. anti-God. And so I yes. thought he was using, I mean, obviously not, <laughs> but I thought he was using... The word mirror in a figurative I think sense, he, like a mirror image. I, I think it was, it might have been both. Because uh, he was like, I think Victor Wong says that anti, this is again, like John Carpenter thumbed through some like Science American magazine and saw antimatter. And they always say that each particle has an antiparticle, like a mirrored thing. And he took that to mean that there is a mirrored universe that is the same as ours, but like just a bizarro one where up is down. And that sounds like a Carpenter leap of logic. I, for sure. I pictured John yeah. Carper on the toilet while he's reading all <laughs> yeah. these magazines for some reason, which is why he never gets, never gets the ending, which is like the actual <laughs> yeah. reality of things. He's just like, well, I'm done shitting and like leaves. <laughs> <laughs> I think this movie, like the thing that would have helped this movie is if a character actually, when they're, saying something like this of like mere dimensions and look directly at the camera to let the audience know that this is important because all of these things got glossed over like dylan picked out key things at the very beginning uh when they're doing the transcripts tom with the mirror universe like i miss all of these things so everyone had their own interpretations or like important things that really stood out so if you were not paying attention no, all i'm getting from this is that you don't actually watch movies that closely at it no i was giggling the whole time we we're watching it together and i just was it too dark <laughs> could you see what was up. going on <laughs> that's a that's a serious callback yeah. wow I had, I had sunglasses on back to episode one well wow. <laughs> yeah so Let's... so just when you think the acting can't get any worse it does. <laughs> it does. <laughs> because fucking Susan stands up and starts saying things. Holy shit. This is high school level. This is like your worst community theater. Like this is the witch from Trolls 2. This is, I don't even know where to go with this overacting hack. It is so bad. That's all I could say. Yeah. That's but she was possessed. She, she just needed, yeah, she was possessed. She was portraying Satan moving her mouth through the power of goo. And that's what came out. And Carpenter was like, yep, good enough. Keep going. <laughs> one one take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. She decides she's, she's powerful enough. She stands up and she looks in the mirror of a small makeup case. And she sticks her fingers through and it's not big enough. So she's just fingering this mirror, trying to get <laughs> say, her dad out. 
Yep. And it ain't working. <laughs> it's just not working. So she goes to the full length mirror that is in this other room. It's in room. the boiler room for some reason. And there's Dr. Loomis behind the boiler just going, oh, fucking shit. I'm so scared. I'm so scared. <laughs> and she goes, Father, Father, come forth, Father. And you you vomit all over your clothes. You you you, you can't stand. You void your bowels. Yeah, tears are streaming down your eyes, and it's not a beautiful thing. It's yeah. it's ugly. Just but so through funny. the tears, you get to see the rest of this shitty movie's ending. So okay, so um, a lot of like things happen, but none of them matter. The the two girls finish breaking into the closet. Dennis gets, uh, or sorry, Walter gets pulled through the uh, the opening. Him and the professor just start bricking the shit out of Melissa. Like, holy fuck, they go to town on her. They start flipping her out of the window. Uh, other people started getting flipped out of the window. Um, There's like a mustache sequence, man. Sequence where like four people get flipped out the same window pretty much. Yeah. And it keeps breaking the glass every time. They put the glass in, flipped out the window. Mustache man, narco, decides Ryan. to break out of the room. I can't remember why he does that exactly. Um, Cause they're coming through, I guess the wall. Cause oh, they're, no, yeah, they're, they're coming through. Yeah. But it's also because save somebody. Yeah. No, he wants to get out to see if he can get to like help get the cops or something. Cause he tries jumping out the window earlier and then the, the homeless right. gang comes up and he's like, get me out of here. <laughs> and they like, pull him up really That was quickly. such a weird plan. They awkwardly yeah. pull him back up. Yeah. And, and then, uh, so he's, he's basically dodging streams of, Satan goo coming out of people's mouths left and right. Uh, they're like, I'm going to goo you. But he like closes his mouth and moves away slightly. <laughs> and they can't get him. What a hero. He's invincible. Uh, there's some like uppercuts. Unsquirtable. <laughs> some, some table legs. Can't be squirted. Uh, Susan or whatever her name is. Satan. El Diablo finds a bigger mirror, a full, just like 10 foot tall mirror in the boiler room. Uh, starts to pull Satan through before my boy, Father Detective, Detective Father, my favorite character, says, it's time to turn this into a fucking Jason Statham movie. Picks up a fire axe, runs in there, is like, be gone, thought, and starts like cutting off arms and heads. But Satan's too powerful for this. And he just gives up after that. He's like, well, I tried the arm and I tried the head, so there's like really nothing I can do. Satan starts reaching through the mirror. Being like, okay, here we go. Come out, rubber hand of bigger <laughs> Satan. You're coming with me into the real world. At which point, um, the main character, the hero, <laughs> Catherine. He's Catherine, no. the lady that we forgot about. Goldberg's um, the motherfucker straight through the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right into the mirror dimension. And at that point, he yells, Cristo Domino! And just yeets that fire axe right into the mirror, <laughs> trapping her. And Satan, I guess, forever on the other side. And that's basically the end. Did I miss anything? Is that, no, is no, that pretty you, much you nailed that, yeah. One last little tidbit at the end, yeah. We get the transmission again. But this time, we know it's who it is. We, we see the full thing. Yeah. And this time, it's clearer. So this time, they're like, hey, it's us from the year 1999. <laughs> Technology has advanced far enough. And like, it really lamely tries to explain how they're using tachyons to like transmit to people's dreams. And they're like, we're sending this to you because it happens and you need to avoid it. And literally it's like image of church and Catherine and that's it. <laughs> that's yeah. all they show. Yep. Yeah, no message. That's the entire message. Yeah. So yeah. 
what is the implication from that? That the anti She's alive and she's living in the mirror world. I think the anti-god is still going to take over because that dream happens. If that dream didn't happen, like if, if they were successful, then they wouldn't be receiving messages from 1999. But because their attempt failed, they're still now receiving messages and it's slightly different. But Satan's not in our world to pull them through anymore. So how are they going to open the mirror world? Exactly. Cristo Domino closed that shit. Well, it can, <laughs> It's over. Yeah, but there's clearly something else that's going on that they missed. Listen, they only put in maybe 48 hours into <laughs> trying to solve this <laughs> also, problem. I want to point out they solved this entire problem with like no science at all. <laughs> yeah. oh, you smash your mirror. There is no point for the science. It's just good old fashioned hip checks and axe chops. Like that solves yeah. everything for them. <laughs> Brute force. <laughs> Actually, that's the that's the takeaway. Science did nothing. Science does nothing. We don't need science. Mm, science faith has failed. We need our world. Fire axe creatures. <laughs> we only need fire axes. Yeah. <laughs> All right. That about does it. We'll, we'll come back in the after hours. We'll have a bit more in-depth discussion of what the hell this last transmission means. We did it. We watched the Prince of Darkness. Guys. We got through the hour and 15 minute intro. It was awesome. Yeah. Final, <laughs> final thoughts. I'll ask you in order. Rate out of 10. Would you recommend it? Matt, what do you think? In all seriousness, I did kind of have fun with this. I like the idea. The execution is not great, but the idea is kind of fun. There's like a little bit of, uh, it's got a good vibe to it for at least some of the creepy parts. I laughed out loud a lot at the weird homeless woman running very slowly across a parking lot. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would give this probably a, a solid like six and a half out of 10. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's not an, it's not all awful, right. but oh. like it's, it's still pretty fun. 5.5 out of 10. Like John Carpenter is a great filmmaker. He's made some of my favorite fucking movies, which is why it's so difficult when you get like an escape from LA or a Prince of Darkness. Look, anytime he sets his movie in LA, it fucking sucks. <laughs> setting it in LA. It's, just, it's not good. It always turns out bad. And, and I mean, it's not, it's not terrible. Like he's a very competent filmmaker. The fact that this was put together for like very little money and over a very short period of time is technically impressive, but the script needed more time in the oven. Uh, it, it just wasn't finished. And uh, because he had total control, there was no one there to say like, uh, gee, you gotta, you gotta come up with something better than that. He just said, "Nope, good enough. Let's go." Mm-hmm. El Diablo, five point right. five out of ten. Got it, Dave. Um, I give it a good solid five. Like I already don't like the horror genre that much, but this was okay. It wasn't amazing. Hmm. I was very confused. You have parts. to pay attention for that one three-minute scene where they tell you what's happening. <laughs> yeah, I missed that like thirty-second drop of like the yeah. bomb oh. that I needed to listen to. So that kind of sucked. But yeah. Overall, not bad. I didn't like many of the characters. I hated most of them. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Adam? Uh, I'm going to go with a 4.5. Ooh. It was probably one of the weaker. Oh, we're getting lower. We're, we're, dropping, we're dropping in place. Uh, it's one of the weaker John Carpenter movies for me. But just like Matt was saying, it's just like they had an interesting idea. And also like Tom's saying, if they had more time to develop it, to go through a couple drafts, maybe there could have been something there. Um, like it was so close, it was so close to being something that was decent, but it just fell fell on its flat or fell on its face before uh, before the finish line. So, 
Yeah. Um, I probably wouldn't recommend it, but I will probably do a rewatch Ooh. to see all the things yeah. that I well, did. Well, that's miss. A, that's a good segue to mine because this is my rewatch, my first rewatch of it, and it actually worked. I liked it more because yeah. I had the plot under control, <laughs> so I wasn't mm-hmm. straining to understand what's going on. So I just got to pick out more. I think realistically, as a movie, I'd have to give it yeah about a six and a half out of ten, but. For me personally, because I love these kind of cult horror movies, like it'd probably be like a seven for me personally. But for others, I'd say six out of six and a half. I could see that. Yeah, not the worst, but yeah. like be prepared for a pretty weird movie. If I wasn't a man of science, I might. <laughs> yeah, it helps. It helps. Uh... It helped knowing the plot and getting this time. I just got more of the details. Give it a try. Give it a second try. You'll enjoy it more. But I think that about does it. We'll check back in in after hours. But we watched Prince of Darkness. Woo! And with that, the court is adjourned. Come back next time for a new trial with new litigants in the never-ending parade of schlock that is Grindhouse Courthouse. Motherfuckers. Matt has been working around the clock to cross-check the numbers, ignoring the cries of his child and wife, and the results are terrifying. He's the only normal dude. He's apparently the sexiest man who's ever lived. He's got like a tucked in polo shirt, a mustache, and like parted hair. He looks like a fucking cop. So now you know what Matt looks like. He wears a blazer to class. Yes. He's pulling it off. Yes. Pulls out some serious game. Cause he's he's just got this unlikable personality. Not even a postdoctoral fellow. But you did see him hiding in the closet. He never came out of it. For a long time. Go ahead, Matt. You're the expert. Tachyons. You ever heard of them? <laughs> Whoa! Quantum mechanics is so goofy, man. Up is down, black is white. Did you hear that? Matt just proved there is no God. Oh, Matt. Oh, well. Let's move on. Once the equipment's set up and, like, right before the first squirting, here's where things finally start to make some sense. I just want to get laid. I, I need to go to those party now, and if I can't get laid at the party... And so begins a full-blown squirt fest inside. If I ain't getting laid, I ain't going down there. Girls squirting guys. If I'm not getting laid, I'm not going. Guys squirting guys. <laughs> guys squirting girls. It is the most sexy thing that you can do with a partner. Squirting all over the place. Can you describe this squirting? It's a fairly substantial amount of squirt. Watch out. Oh. Mouth fully open. He doesn't move at all. Yeah, it was, yeah, someone had a big gulp. Ah. So she gets squirted. Squirts the shit out of her. I think it might happen off camera. I don't feel right. I feel wrong about it. I don't know where it ends. Do something to help me. I can't. I have carpal tunnel. How many times do I have to tell you, assholes? El Diablo!